But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? and also many animals. Um, it was in a church in Munich that I saw him. People were filing out of the basement where I had just spoken. Moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. The truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed outland. And I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that that is where forgiving sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. In silence, collected their wraps, in silence, left the room. And that is when I saw him walking his way forward against the others. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking past this man naked, 
I could see my sister's frail ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Oland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out, a fine message frolling. How good it is to know that. As you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook. He would not remember me. Of course, how could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk. He was saying, I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on. I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me of the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from you as well. Frolling, again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I who sins and every day been forgiven and could not. This is the story of Koretembum uh, on forgiveness. Um, we'll come back again to see how the story concluded. That's a picture on the screen. And for the past four weeks, we've been talking about, we've been walking through the book of Jonah. And today, we are dealing with chapter four. Jonah's anger and God's compassion. Can we have the next slide, please? So we're having um, two subheadings. So the first one is the resentment of Jonah. And that is the first three verses. And the second point will be the explanations of the Lord. And under that we have God's questions, Jonah's answer, and God's correction. Now before we uh, go ahead at this point, may I just quickly give you a recap of what happened in the past three chapters. In chapter one, Jonah was sent by God to warn the people of Nineveh that God was going to judge them because of their wickedness. And the prophet of God went in the opposite direction and ended up in the belly of a fish. Chapter two, Jonah cried out to God from the belly of the fish. And again, we learned that salvation comes from the Lord. Chapter three, 
This time, Jonah obeys. And we saw how Nineveh repented. Great. If the book ended there, Jonah would be hailed as one of the most successful evangelists in history. Come on, 120,000 people plus animals. <laughs> you know, sometimes I've seen Billy Graham, you know, I've watched videos and you see people coming out. For you to see people coming out and again see animals, all of them saying, oh, we want to repent of our sins. That's, 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 a, that's a great evangelist. And a one-man crew. However, that's not the end of the story. The big surprise is yet to come. So we are in chapter 4. Now we'll go to the first point, the resentment of Jonah. Now, chapter 4 gives us an inside look at what the prophet Jonah was really thinking and the shortcomings of his mindset. Now, in the very first verse of chapter 4, Jonah's anger burst on, this, on the scene. Now, in the first three chapters, even while he was fleeing God's direction, Jonah was never angry. Now, however, as God had seen the reaction in Nineveh to Jonah's message, Jonah was mad, angry, and outraged. The old trip had been a farce, and Jonah was furious. Now look at verse 1. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Now, a very important thing to note, getting angry at God doesn't work. <laughs> Ever. How many people here today have gotten angry at God for something? None? I know I have. And this is what I have learned. It doesn't work. It is futile, pointless, and it's a total waste of energy. I can be as angry at God as I want, and it doesn't make me right. And it doesn't, and it's not going to change God's plan. It is like hitting your head against the wall. You get hot in the process. Here, God just rescued an entire city from destruction, from their sinfulness. What would have been a proper response? Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Oh, God is doing great things in Manchester! Woo! <laughs> but rather than praising God, Jonah gets angry. Jonah is missing out on the beauty and the blessing of the 120,000 or so people being saved by God. Do you see that? In our unrighteous anger, we become blinded. So blinded, we miss out on the great things God is doing in the world. Now, the truth comes out about Jonah's fleeing from God in the beginning. He knew God would forgive them if they repented. But Jonah hated the Assyrians so much 
he didn't want to even give them the chance to repent. Why is that? The Assyrians were a dominant world power during this time and had even defeated Israel in a few battles and exacted tribute from Israel. Assyria was not just a non-hostile Gentile nation, it was an active enemy of Israel. So you can understand where Jonah is coming from. Jonah seems to be saying, bad behavior should end in bad end. And Jonah takes it very badly that he does not. Now there is a, a quote from Paul Chappell. It says, as long as you live on earth, you won't see the end of injustices. Yet God desires for you to let go of injustices and hold on to his grace. Only he can give you power to forgive those who have hurt you the deepest. Now the purpose of this book is didactic. Thus, its intent is to teach the reader something. It teaches repentance, believers' attitude towards unbelievers and the undeserving, and also the relationship between justice and mercy. Now, can, can, you, can we flip to the next slide, please? Right. Now, verse 2. This is Jonah restating what actually happened in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. And as we can see on the screen, I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So you can see that in, the, in, in bold, in verse 6. Say the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger. So this is Jonah actually restating the Pentateuch, Exodus. Jonah comes right out and says it. I am angry because I hate these people. And I knew you would save them if you gave them a chance. Jonah was a prophet to Israel. He knew all too well the sinfulness of God's chosen people. How many times they had turned their backs on God. And how many times after they repented that God took them back and gave them another chance. Jonah's God is a God of second chances. Our God is the God of second chances. When we are repentant of our sins, God through Jesus Christ forgives us of our sins. When sinners repent, God relents. And that is, and that was what Jonah was afraid of. Now, if you look at verse 3, Jonah's temper tantrum doesn't stop at just being angry at God. Now, Jonah is saying, I'd rather be dead than to live in a world where my enemies are followers of Yahweh, followers of God and my God. My God is merciful to my enemies. Here we see Jonah's true colors really comes out. This hatred, this bigotry against the Nineveh 
has been seeping out throughout the story. But here it is plain and clear. We can all see it. It was bad enough that Jonah didn't want to help God save them and then actively disobeyed God. But now it worsens things by showing how deep and dark his hatred really is. Jonah should be rejoicing. But he's instead so selfish and prideful and hate-filled that he would rather be dead. Nowhere are we taught as God's people that it is good to hate. We are to hate the sin, but not the sinner. Jonah's rage has blinded him, and it is a truly sad tale. Now, I, can, I don't think I'll be just enough to stand before, in front of you and point accusing fingers at Jonah. I must confess to you, I don't know how conversant you are with Nigeria. Um, we have terrorist organizations there. We have Boko Haram. And from the name Boko Haram, Boko means book or Western education. And Haram means something that is forbidden. So their name was coined from saying, we are against Western education. And we have the Fulani Edgemen. These guys are dangerous. These guys are wicked, but very bad. And they've killed so many people. Last week, Sunday, a pastor was driving from Abuja to Kaduna in Nigeria. And he was caught by these guys, the Fulani Edgemen. The pastor was killed, the wife was abducted, but the son managed to escape. Countless of things in the North Central, you know, in Benue State, some Catholic priests were killed. It's, it's, you know, we don't, even in that country, it's like, it's now normal. Now, there is one that is so pathetic. A 16-year-old girl called Leah Shuaibo who was kidnapped when she was just 14, along with about 110 girls on 19th February 2018, her colleagues were released on the 21st of March 2018. Now, Shuaibu has been held back since then for refusing to denounce her Christian faith. We are not sure if she's still alive. Now, this is where I'm going. As a Christian, sometimes I see some of our leaders, they come out, you know, to rain curses on these bad people. And sometimes you want to identify with that. But we know that our God is compassionate. I can tell you there are times that I pray and I cry at the same time because I know that the God that we serve is capable of saving these guys but sometimes I cannot stand it to see how these wicked, dangerous people, they've done so things you can't even think of. They turn girls to sex slaves and all kinds of things. For you to see these kind of people come and worship the same God that we serve. Now, if you put yourself in that picture, you can understand Jonah. This is a challenge for God's people to have a heart for the lost. 
regardless of their violation of certain sensitivities. What are the things we are hungry about? Are we hungry because a spouse died? Or a child rebelled? Or someone got sick? Or we lost our job? Or things are not working out for us as we expected them to? Or we think God doesn't care for us enough? Or we think maybe God is too weak to deal with his enemies? Or any other countless things we get angry at God about? Basically, we didn't get our way. We didn't get to call the shot. Sometimes, maybe because we didn't get to play God. And this is Jonah. And we are Jonah. A prominent American evangelist, Billy Graham, said, hot heads and cold hearts never solved anything. C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Jonah reveals prejudice, so God demonstrates his right to have compassion. And we move on to point number two, the explanations of the Lord. So Jonah goes out of the city to see if maybe God will destroy them. It is hot. So God causes a plant to grow and give Jonah shade. The text says Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. Then when the plant withers, Jonah wants to die again. Doesn't it seem a little hard that Jonah would be so happy about the plant and so distraught over the plant's death? I think the author is trying to make a point to us about how Jonah is all mixed up in his priorities. How often is this true in our lives, though? How often do we have our anger and hurt? When God has already forgiven, how often do we let that pain of unrighteousness track us down to ruin our lives? How often do we miss out on chances to celebrate great works of God because we are married in our own anger and resentment? I think the answer is far too often. Are we not like Jonah? Blinded at times by our own ugly and ungodly anger. The plant is a way for God to remind Jonah of his sovereignty. That God is in charge and in control. We have seen this earlier in the story. God sent a great storm and only killed Jonah and the sailors. Just in an attempt to get Jonah's attention. Can I ask you? Did Jonah learn his lesson this time? Let's, let's, let's look at God's question. Verse 4 and 9a. Now, this, if you, if you see, you know, verse 4 was meant to be rhetorical. This was meant to condemn his attitude. God rebuked Jonah for his sinfulness. 
But Jonah ignored this rebuke. Now, God likes asking questions. And I think God is asking us questions today. Sometimes the best way to reveal the intent of a man's heart is through questions. Jesus asked more questions than he answered, according to author Martin Copenhaver in a systematic study of the questions of Jesus. Jesus was asked 307 questions. He was, I mean, Jesus asked 307 questions. He was asked 183 questions, of which he answered three. <laughs> now, God's question brings the point home. If Jonah is so upset about the death of a plant, which he didn't even plant, how much more should God be concerned about the death of human beings? Let's see the answer of the prophet. Jonah's answer. It is, he said. <laughs> and I am so angry. I wish I were dead. You know, God was like asking a simple question. What right do you think? It is, yes, everybody, yes, I have the right to be angry, yes. I'm not just angry, I want to die. <laughs> Jonah still doesn't get it. His anger is unrighteous, and it colors and taints everything. Rather than seeing the plant as a blessing, he's angry that it is gone rather than having been able to enjoy it for the time he had it, is focused on the loss, rather than learn his lesson that God is sovereign. Jonah adds to his anger. Jonah is stubbornly committed to his sin. Anyone has, have you been here, have you been in that situation before? Jonah is angry about losing a plan that wasn't his in the first place, our anger makes us unreasonable and irrational. When you are angry like this, you make bad choices and you miss out on blessings. Friends, don't you think we are like Jonah? Rather than admitting that he is wrong and changing his ways, Jonah would rather die than to give up his anger. This kind of anger ruins lives. It destroys relationships. And it destroys our relationship with God. Anger damages a believer's witness and prevents God's blessing from being experienced. Control your anger because it is one letter away from danger. If you, can, if you look up this screen, all you need to do is just put D in front of anger, and it becomes very dangerous. <laughs> According to Henry Nowen, a Dutch Catholic priest, professor, writer, and theologian, he described this anger. He said, it's not open, blatant, roaring anger, but an anger hidden behind the smooth word, the smiling face, and the polite handshake. It is a frozen anger, an anger which settles into a biting resentment and slowly 
paralyzes a generous heart. We move to point, uh, uh, the next point there, God's correction. God again rebukes Jonah to close the book. Jonah has been more concerned about this plant that he didn't even own or make grow than the 120,000 Ninevite God was saving. By stating that the Ninevites don't know their left from their right hand, God is stating clearly that they are morally and spiritually unaware. And here sits a servant of God on the outskirts of town, throwing a temper tantrum, filled with rage and hate. Jonah was willing to have compassion on the plant, but not on the people. Jonah's priorities are completely backwards. He is selfish, filled with pride, and doesn't appear to care about what God cares about. I see Jonah as a good example of how we tend to judge others and consider ourselves better than them. Now, in Mark uh, 12, chapter 12, a teacher of the law asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, hear this. Now, verse 30 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, verse 31. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. Love your neighbor as yourself. When you love someone, you are willing to forgive. Here I see Jesus as a better Jonah. He is a better Jonah. Why? Because unlike Jonah, Jesus was willing to go to the sinning people of the world. Obeyed God from the start even though it was painful and would cost him his life. Whereas Jonah was willing to die out of hate for his enemies, Jesus died out of love for his enemies. Jesus wasn't angry that people responded to his salvation message. Unlike Jonah, he was loving. Jonah had no compassion for those who are not like him. Jesus died for us all and willing to make us part of his family. And back to the story of Corinthian where we started off. And she said, for I had to do it. I knew that the message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it. Not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, Mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current 
started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joint hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grabbed each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. And so I discovered that we can trust God not only above our emotions, but also above our thoughts. Can I ask us a question? Would we repent just as Corinthian Boom did? If you are not a Christian, I want you to reflect on what you have heard today and possibly this month. I encourage you to take advantage of God's compassion and loving grace. And if you wish to discuss this further, you can speak with anyone you've seen up here today after the service, including myself. If you are a Christian here, hear this. The new international commentary on the Old Testament by Leslie C. Allen, a senior pastor of Old Testament, says, a Jonah locks in every Christian heart, whimpering his insidious message of smug prejudice, empty traditionalism, and exclusive solidarity. He encourages us to allow the saving love of God to remove our thinking and social orientation. I hope you are challenged by this message. As we come to the Lord's table in a few minutes, we should remember how compassionate God forgives all our sins through Jesus Christ. I encourage you to show more love to everyone, even people we think are undeserving and to repent of any anger or secret sins from the heart and genuinely commit our lives to Christ. Let's pray, shall we?